welcome to Foster Change, where we talk about all things life, child welfare, and parenting. I'm back with Marla, the local therapist, and she often helps foster and adoptive families. So we always love talking to her. Um, today, we're going to talk about siblings, uh, the rivalries, just kidding, um, the, specifically more about in the child welfare system, we talk a lot about bonds and attachments and siblings and togetherness and that, that type of thing. So I, on the front end, want to talk about um, why, what is the importance of siblings, like the sibling relationship, like why is it so important that we even discuss it? I'm glad to be here. I, I love being with you, Lauren. So this is really exciting. Um, and siblings is kind of a fun topic to talk about because there's a lot of rivalry, but there's a lot of growth when we have siblings. And so there is something really magical about that sibling relationship. And so um, the reason that we should really look at um, the kind of the why uh, behind what siblings do is that they're one of our most first and basic ways that we learn about relationship. We learn about compassion, we learn about empathy, yeah. and we learn about how our actions might affect others. And we learn that maybe people, we should care about them a little bit, or we should be nice to <laughs> them, or we get to practice pretty much. They're like our little test subjects in a way. And we know they're probably yeah. not going to go away because they live in the same home as us. And yeah. so... <laughs> True. versus a friend who might say, I don't want to be your friend anymore, which is also really powerful as well. Um, yeah. And often does produce a lot of change, but we really get to practice a lot with our siblings, what works, what doesn't work. And we really get to understand like, how am I going to foster this relationship? Hopefully for a lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. We have in, in our house, so we have four girls. So the drama level can be here at any given time. <sighs> We've got one who does this a lot and says, I'm not going to be your sister. And I go, that is, oh. that is not how it works, child. That right. is not how it works. And then two seconds later, she's like, you, you, know, you know, it's typical sisters, right? Like they fight and then they're like, you want to have a sleepover? <laughs> okay. And I guess you. we're sisters again. Like, okay. <laughs> so yeah, we, we get that. The, the ins and outs and the sibling relationships are just one of those things. I, I grew up with three brothers. So it's, yeah. you know, it's always an adventure. Uh, I feel like in a house that has a lot of kids, you never know which ones are going to get along on any given day. And yeah, we've, we've been there. Um, I think it's a beautiful thing though, having a lot of kids and watching them kind of like navigate through life's conflicts. Um, yes. you know, we tell them like, if, if, if they don't want to play with you, maybe you should like, why, what is it that you're doing? That's irritating them. And then, yeah. you know, there's a lot of like those hard conversations, like, okay, well, maybe that's not the game that they want to play right now is that maybe possible? And then it's, well, okay. Um, okay. Well, if you want to play with them, maybe you should, we should talk about playing what, what they're playing right now, or maybe you can make, come up with a compromise. And I, I love watching them kind of solve problems on their own, uh, only getting involved when, when necessary. That's, that's what I typically try to do just. And, and that's actually something that I spend a lot of time in my therapy practice, helping families do is just be the sports caster. Oh, so you're saying you want to play Jeopardy, but yeah. you're saying you want to play hopscotch. Okay, Jeopardy, hopscotch. Huh, I wonder how you guys are going to figure it out. Oh, Jeopardy, hopscotch. You guys are, now you're yelling at each other. Oh, wow. Oh, now you lowered your voice. Oh, look at you guys. <laughs> and all of that is just me sitting back and watching them figure it out. Now, I might be like, hopscotch should win. Yeah. But I think that they should be playing go fish. 
And it doesn't really matter what I think. Um, it really is, how can I help my kids just figure things out for themselves? And it doesn't have to be equitable because they'll sooner or later go, why do I always lose? Wait a minute, I always lose because I always give in. Oh, maybe I don't have to give in. That was me. <laughs> that was me. So, so growing up, my brothers would always tell me I, I was such a sucker in so many ways. I was the big, the oldest, and I used to take care of like a very, very, very nurturing. Probably a little. Yeah. I say nurturing. They say bossy. Um, so I would say, okay, that they would say, we'll help you clean your room, um, if you help us clean ours. So I would help them clean theirs. I'm, I'm like a very particular person, so I, I enjoyed the cleaning a, a little bit. Um, and then I'd be like, all right, let's go clean my guys. guys where'd you go? Where are they gone? Out the door, already playing. Their room's clean. They're done. They're not, you know, it, I can't tell you how many times I fell for that. And then I finally yeah. was like, all right, we're doing my room first. And then they were like, nah, it's okay. We'll do ours. You do yours. See you outside. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I fell for it multiple times over. And, but to that end, I learned, I learned, yeah. you know, okay. Uh, cool me once me 17 times <laughs> maybe I should change my ways um and so I, I I do remember that and I try like to kind of reciprocate that with my kids and allowing them to kind of yeah. figure out things on their own because I think that that's just a healthy life skill um and I think that that's Absolutely. you know that's in like a normal sibling household where you have you know but then when you add in and you know I, in the child welfare system just talking about trauma is just what it is it just so when you, when you add in some of these more complicated layers of, okay, I know I, we've talked before about me having to speak with my older kids about why my younger kids do certain things and, and how it's, you know, not, they're coming from a place that my, my big ones might not understand. And so just understanding that you don't understand it is, 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 has been a monumental step for my big ones to understand yeah. a little bit more about my little ones, just like accepting that they don't understand yeah. and, and helping them anyway. Um, and it's been awesome to see my, my big ones grow. And, and, and that from just from doing that, but like blending the two, the two things and having them form this, like, okay, conflict resolution. And, and that's been awesome. So I don't know if there's ways we can, um, what are some, some things you would suggest in establishing like healthy bonds between, um, kids that come from different places, but live in the same house that could be step families that could be, you know, yeah. adoptive families, foster families, um, it, it lo that looks like a lot of different things in today's world. So I, I like, what does that look like under the same roof, um, kids coming from different backgrounds, but yet getting them to be connected as siblings? Yeah. And so sometimes it's, um, you know, when we start to think about like, what did families used to do to help family bonding time? And a lot of times that was like some game time, that was family dinners, taking walks together, you know, going to the park together. And so sometimes when we go back to some of those old ways that we bond together, understanding that sometimes with our foster kids, that might be something that is really new and very uncomfortable. Yes. Or it could be tied to some other things, you know, going on. And so some of those things are things that we can try and infuse, you know, into their regular life now. Um, and we can start talking to our bio kids about that in um, other kids came from other homes and there might've been other rules here we're going to work on getting them towards the same rules but that might look a little different it's kind of like when you go from one teacher in first grade to a different teacher in second grade the rules yeah. are a little different it's kind of hard in the beginning you're like but I used to be able to get up and sharpen my pencil anytime and now the teacher's like no you have to raise your hand and you're like oh you know 
And so sometimes what we do is we just kind of try and link some of those things and then it can be really hard to change. Um, but then we also say sometimes our little, you know, our, our foster kids, their brains are kind of like really scared all the time. Yeah. And so remembering the time that we went to the, um, to the uh, fair and you were going to go on that roller coaster for the, and you were, you were kind of freaking out. Now imagine that feeling almost all the time. Yeah. And that would be really hard, right? But if we asked you to go to dinner and you're like freaking out, freaking out. And so we just really try and explain things to kids in a way and they might go, oh, well, what helped you when you were freaking out? Now you were also freaking out because you were a little bit scared, but you were also really excited. I want you to flip flop that. Maybe you, maybe your foster kid is really scared most of the time and they don't yeah. really know what to do with that or really angry most of the time because now they're not living with their, their family that they grew up with, or maybe they don't get to see their siblings, you know, that they grew up with. Um, or their aunt who was their safe person. And so right. all of that stuff is just things that we try and pull, pull, pull into our, our kiddos' lives. And so somewhat just like doing that sportscaster thing could be, oh, remembering that their brains work a little different. So how can we calm down and then we'll help them calm down? You know, and so we can help our kids, our bio kids who might hopefully <laughs> not have yeah. grown up with the same level of trauma. Um, <laughs> help yeah. their foster siblings go okay you got this we can do this together yeah. or wow you're really freaking out let me go get an adult because yeah. again we shouldn't burden our uh, the bio kids right. with something that is way out of their league because yes, let's face agreed. it us adults are struggling <laughs> and so yeah. you can't ask a seven-year-old or 10-year-old who doesn't have a fully formed brain you know to yeah. be able to like just like pinch it for us you know yeah we could say all right you got this I love you even though things are a little crazy right now I'm gonna go get an adult to help you and that might yeah. be all we help them do is just get someone to help them you know right and really kind of say what is okay for you when your sibling might act like this 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 or this and what do you what are your responses going to be because we right. in our family we don't hit we don't yell, we don't push, we don't bite. And yeah. so if someone's doing that to us, even though you know they might not have learned quite yet that they they shouldn't, they don't quite get that rule yet. What could we do so that you get safe and then we can help them learn how to be safe too? And a lot of that is just that navigation, you know, and what can they do? Um, because I, um, you know, that's something that um, our siblings um bio or foster do love to push our buttons and so what are we going to do right and a lot of that is all right I can disengage or I can get myself really calm you know yeah. when someone else is doing something yeah. and I can use my words yeah. those are some, oh, like gosh. your choices use your words if I say use your words 2700 yeah. times in a day that's probably not an exaggeration use your words yeah. use your on the soccer on the soccer sidelines this is a total side note on the soccer sidelines um, my, my mother-in-law is always like, that is not what you say to them on the soccer field. I'm always like, use your words when they're right. like, instead of saying like, like call it, communicate. I'm always yeah. like, yes. she's like, I'm like, it's, it's what I just say it so much. It's reflexively what I say. Um, and yeah. my, uh, my older daughter will look at me and be like, really, we're not two. <laughs> it is what it is. But you, I noticed you zipped your lips and you didn't say anything. And so I think as adults, that is part of that reflecting and that sportscaster kind of thing is, oh, 
you both are just grabbing stuff and nobody's using their words. I wonder if someone's going to use their words next so that they know, hey, I'd really want to play with that instead of just using yeah. my hands to grab everything. Yeah. Oh, and then like we start to be able to help them navigate things. And um, what's really good is that we kind of act as that cheerleader. Like, I know you guys got this, you know, yeah. <laughs> even though we're like dying yeah. inside. Yeah. Oh my God, my kid is just melting down in the store, you know? <laughs> I know. Well, they're, they're like crying and my husband's like, you're insane. I'm like, I believe in you. You can do it too. Yes. Uh, and they're like, because they don't want to put their shoes away or something. And like, it's a full blown meltdown. I'm like, it's just, I could be like, it's just shoes. I'm like, okay you can do it. I believe in you. You can do hard things. And then I start singing. And then they're always like, what's wrong with this woman? Whatever. Right. I, can sit, I can sing or cry. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're I can crying. sing or cry. You're not having a tantrum, things like that. And so um, me, yeah. I'm, I'm a quirky person. I know we've talked before. We're both kind of that quirky, quirky like person. weird individual. And we should probably play to our strengths at that point. So if you've got a good sense of humor, if you're a bit quirky, if you love to sing, if you love to dance, you know, whatever your thing is, like maybe that should be part of your parenting strength, you know? And like, yeah, I would absolutely I be like, you got this, you got this. <laughs> Look at you, yeah. the shoes, they're closer to the spot. Oh my God. I have go. a song for everything. We had like a poopy song for a while. And listen, my husband makes up, my husband doesn't ever sing the song correctly and it's become a thing too. So like, if I make up a song, he'll, he'll do, I don't know. He puts his own spin on it. And I'm like, that is not the song that I made up, but whatever you do you um yeah so so sibling so the, in the child <laughs> siblings right um so in the child welfare system because bringing it back to the child welfare system yeah. one of the things that is really common and, and we talk about all the time in the child welfare system is the importance of sibling relationships and I know we discussed this before about um you have a weight put on keeping biological siblings together and I think that that's beautiful and I think that it's important to keep siblings together um, but I, I struggle to, to see the point in taking a child. And this is something that, that is suggested now that we do, but there is some change coming. So there is hope on the horizon here. Um, I know I've, I've been, we've been trying. So one of the things that, um, has happened, it happened to us in our case, because we have two out of six. And so we've had a lot of, we've had a lot of sibling conversations with caseworkers and, and th these types of situations. And so a lot of times what, what they'll do is they'll, they'll, say, okay, we understand that they've been with you for years and they're bonded and attached here, but they've got siblings that, you know, either we just found or have been sitting in this other home. And now, now this person's going to take, you know, the four of them and keep them together over here. And it, you're taking a kid that is in a, in a home where they're bonded and attached to the family that they're living with. And they have for all intents and purposes, siblings in that home, right. That are maybe not by, well, not biological, but they are siblings. And you're going to move them to a home with um, biological siblings that they're not connected, bonded, or attached to um, just for the sake of keeping siblings together. And so I know we talked about the importance of the sibling relationship and developmentally what it does for children and all of the benefits that come through these life experiences. Um, but there's, to me, there's a, distinct, a distinction between the biological and then the bonding. And, and is that something that you can kind of speak to, um, differentiating the two and the, and the importance and the significance of, you know, which is more important, like moving a kid from where they're bonded and attached or keeping them with a sibling that they, you know, maybe never knew? Yeah. I, I mean, I think that that's, it's so nuanced, but almost always it's better to go with the bond and attachment. So I've worked with families where um, their caregiver died, but they were a blended family. So they grew up with that step sibling. 
And because they were not biologically related, they then went into two different homes. And how horrifying that would have been for that that child. It was awful and was very traumatizing. And so um, I've worked with kids in the foster system that were placed with with siblings where they were the the sibling that was abused, but their other sibling wasn't. And oh my goodness, that was, was, it was, it was more detrimental because the other sibling was coming from a place of disbelief and encouraging the return into that abusive home um, because that was the home that they grew up in, which was very different than the home that that abused child grew up in. And so again, there's like these very differing pieces, you know, where it is more important to me that is a healthy, bonded and secure attachment that can be created or continue to to, to be um, so when a family is in a foster family and they never grew up with those other siblings, it's wonderful to get them reacquainted. Yeah. Um, but that's a very different thing than saying, you know, we're just going to place them now because they have this blood relationship. Yeah. Just because there's a blood relationship. And this does um, also talk to kin- kinship care because maybe, yeah. you know, a, a distant relative um, surfaces years later and they're like, oh, look, we found a kin relative who can take them, but that just because there is that blood relationship doesn't really mean that that's a, a good, a securely attached, you know, a relationship. Right. And so for me, that attachment is the basis of, of all things. And so sometimes yeah. siblings should be together um, because it's the most healthiest thing. And of course, you know, especially when they're removed from the home um, and they're close in age, and or not even close in age because sometimes of course we have the older one who was looking out yeah. and protecting the younger one and that's why they went into care was because the older one saw that the younger one was about to be abused and that's when they spoke up and so right. then to say oh well they're not they're like 10 years apart they should just go into two different foster homes <gasps> yeah wait you took the kid who protected and yeah. now they're living somewhere else right so right. we look at the relationship we look at you know, what went on in their life. And, and then as much as we can from the minute of removal, keep kids together. Yeah. But when that's not possible, looking at that bonded relationship that may be formed and decide, is this the right thing to do? Yeah. Uh, Especially when sometimes it's true, um, other kids that they never knew, um, mom and dad might then have another kid that they never knew. It yeah. doesn't mean that um, all of a sudden that means that they have to be in the same home. It would be right. nice, um, but sometimes that does not. It, it does not mean like rip kid out of a securely attached home yeah. and put them all together now. Yeah, <laughs> it's a strange. Me, it's a strange thought. It's a very strange thought. But yeah. I understand. You see siblings and you want to keep them together. But like I said, there's hope on the horizon. There are some um, yeah. clauses, uh, for lack of better terms. There are some. Some, they're yeah. looking into childhood developmental psychology now and, and a lot of these yeah. like session meetings with, with senators. So that's, that's to me really encouraging and promising. I love that they're actually looking at, at that and, and gonna start letting that kind of influence how they do things. I think that that's a beautiful thing. So we'll see what comes of that. Um, we are definitely involved in some of those conversations or at least like really trying to be um, in others. So we're, we're working on that for sure. Trying yeah. to be involved in those conversations and about you know, the science, what the science says about childhood development and bonds and attachments specifically. I think that those are, that is a huge thing for us to look at when you're talking about child welfare. I think um, talking about the best interest of a child, you have to look at where they're bonded and attached. Um, 
And a lot of times that is with siblings that they are living with when they're removed or sometimes when they're um, you know, removed and they have to be placed separate, but then being able to get them back together when there is a bond and attachment, you know, just kind of like addressing, like you said, it's very nuanced and kind of addressing that yeah. situation as it arises um, and as appropriate and al allowing the law to provide for the decision to be made per the child's best interest and not per the biological basis of their sibling relationship. Um, right. I mean, in this case, that blood is thicker than water doesn't really hold many of the time. No. It, you know, it's very much about, you know, attachment. It's, it's thicker than water. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's like, I don't know, it's, to me, it's, it's a no-brainer, but it's been something that's been one of those um, hot, hot button things for a little while here. And I get it. So in our, in our situation, we have um, two of six um, and they're, so, so we keep our two, we have, we have two and then a family friend of ours adopted two of them. We kind of like brought them to the table a little bit and we're like, Hey, you know, we, when it came time for adoption, the way, yeah. <laughs> you know, the foster mom wasn't um, going to adopt. Uh, we, we've, you know, we found people that we knew wanted to adopt and it was, we, I knew it would be a great match. Um, and so it, worked out very ser serendipitously almost. And it was very um, nice. And so we see them all the time now, but they had been in foster care for years and they had been living in separate homes for years. Um, and one, one of the things was there's, you know, you talk a lot about some of the special needs and different ways of parenting and different styles um, and different needs, even in, um, for us, there was different needs in biological family relationships, um, given the age of our kids and the age of the, old the older siblings. So there's different needs. Um, and so balancing that under one roof became one of those like really questionable things. Um, but so in the best, the best interest of the children, they, they're, you know, they're, and where they're, do, where they're at now makes my heart so happy. They're thriving, they're doing really well, and we're able to keep the kids relationally close. And so even though they're not proximally close, like under the same roof, living in the same house, they're relationally very close. And I think that they're healthier for that um, because in, in our case, I don't think that they're triggers for each other. I think that they do uh, bring out a lot of the best in each other, but you know, in true sibling form, they also they they do also bring up stir up some things, you know, um, from when they did live together. Because the only other time they lived together is before removal, yeah. and so yeah. I think that you know, in ours, that's been an interesting dynamic to watch um, unfold. So so one of the one of the things um, that that I find interesting is how one sibling can be a trigger for other siblings. Um, and, and sometimes it's better if they don't live together, even if they were living together. Um, I, I know someone personally who, um, was able to adopt, I think it was three out of four siblings, but the older, the older sibling was such a trigger for the younger ones. And they were under such pressure to adopt all of them, but it wasn't in any of the kids' best interest. Um, and there was another home that was available for the older one. And it was just watching them navigate and walk through that and the pressure that was put on them to make a decision that was counter to the children's best interest. And even the kids were all on board with, with you know, the one, it, it was, it was a, a strange situation, but I'm not sure if you want to speak to the, um, the ability of one sibling to trigger the other siblings and how that, you know, affects them long-term. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think even in the healthiest families, siblings can be a trigger, you know? So then we take siblings that have grown up possibly in really terrible situations. Um, they could also have their own mental health um, issues as well. They could have been born sometimes um, under, under the influence or with the influence of some drugs in their system. And so 
Um, other times they've gone through a domestically violent home. And so we, we, we know that some of the things that we've lived through, we might relive or, you know, actually start to reenact in our lives yeah. if we haven't worked on those things. Um, but often, because we're biologically related, we might like look like the person who was the perpetrator as well. We might act like them, smell like them, yeah. sound like them. And so there's all of these things that through no fault of our own, we could actually trigger somebody else. And so a lot of times there are re reasons that some siblings just maybe could have a very big struggle to be under the same roof. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, you know, especially the kids who've gone through those traumatizing um, family of origin homes the longest could have the hardest road. And so they need the most yeah. intensive of therapies. And um, it could actually hold back some of the kids who, in effect, got out quicker. Right. You know, and right. so, or the older one often, or maybe whichever one was perpetrated on the most, you know, could have obviously. A, a longer road and have a lot more um, where they just keep either pushing the other kids buttons or their mental health issues are such a re-triggering event and it's hard to keep stability in the home. So of course, when it's one kid, that's easy. When it's two kids, you can kind of well, a little bit separate them, but not always. And now we're talking three and four kids. You know, again, that's really hard to divide one or even two parents, you know, to be able to maintain you know, within the home. So absolutely, yeah. a sibling could be a trigger. That's absolutely true. Um, so that's something that we do look at the health of everybody. And what we would want is even the triggering sibling to get the healthiest home. And so it sounds like yeah. in your case, you actually got to see that happening, which is a beautiful yeah. thing. Um, you know, I've worked with kids where um, in the home, you know, the older one was perpetrated on um, multiple times from infancy on. And the reason that they um, came into care was that they saw that their younger sibling was about to be perpetrated on or was perpetrated on, you know, and so right. they said something, which is great, but they also were so unhealthy together. Um, it, it actually, even though that sounds like that should have been a really bonded and supportive relationship, that actually was so unhealthy. And so having them in two homes was the only yeah. option. Um, you know, and so also sometimes um, kids aren't removed immediately and placed in a foster mm -hmm. home. Sometimes they go into kinship or into a group home and um, sometimes yeah. some really bad things or, you know, not so great things can happen to them. And you know, so I've seen kids who've gone through those experiences yeah. as well. Or just the fact of being um, passed from one family member to the other. Nothing bad happened, but what is the, what's kind of that core belief? I'm damaged, I'm no good. I'm unlovable. And then they start to reenact that even in the loving home that wants to adopt them. Right. That's awful. But when you're having to deal with so many other siblings, it's kind of hard to like be able to like really wrap them up in everything mm -hmm. and really create that loving experience that they need. Yeah. Um, and so we do, it's kind of like looking at um, when people go into the emergency room, you know, there's a reason that we go into the emergency room. They can go, okay, you can wait because you need a stitch or two, you're not going to be that. The person right. with the gunshot, we need to get them right away into surgery, yeah. you know? And so we can triage. 
when when sometimes when we're we're pulling in a whole bunch of adoptive kids, it's very hard to yeah. or foster kids. It's very hard to triage within that home when they're all up here in yeah. dysregulation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, it is true. We've, we've watched that kind of unfold, um, and I and I love. For me, I, I've I've loved becoming like one big weird family um, and watching the siblings like have more, they, they have more connection now than they did when they were, um, you know, before they were adopted. So, so that's been really beautiful to watch them connect and bond, um, you know, and, and have that sibling relationship, even though they're in separate homes. Like that to me has been, has been amazing for my kids and, and watching all of that kind of like the, the things that they've learned and the, the growing that they've done and the, the working through things that we've been able to do. It's been, that's been awesome. Um, and so I think, uh, I think that that offers, I mean, for me anyway, it offers like, it just backs that up that like, they don't have to live in the same home in order to establish and have a relationship and to be siblings. Um, I think that, that uh, for, for me, that's kind of just kind of validated that. Um, and I know we talked a lot about siblings and sibling relationships and the bonds that siblings have, um, but what about, because it's not just about child welfare, also parenting. What about people that have only children? What are some things that they can do um, to, to offer their, their kids similar experiences, you know, and benefits that we've, we've discussed, uh, sibling relationships give. So uh, a lot of times it comes from our extended family and so cousins, and a lot of times we yeah. might then have cousins, or sometimes we have interesting families where our nieces and nephews, um, or our, our uncles, you know, and so again, there's, yeah. there's sometimes where kids in a family are all around the same age. And if they're not, you know, hopefully fostering this sense of um, community and so finding other kids that are their age um, and really creating these relationships um, and starting to hopefully talk with other adults and maybe even finding other singles, you know, um, and their families and saying, how can we help build some empathy? And these are some really cool techniques that we've learned to help kind yeah. of help navigate conflict in, and, and for us adults to kind of stay calm and let them figure it out a little bit without snatching or screaming at each other or biting each other, you know, and, but because with kids that could be really difficult, only kids are yeah. used to getting their own way. And so part of that is um, for us adults to really wait for a full sentence. Now, of course, a full sentence at two is different than a full sentence at four or six, yeah. but we're waiting for what would be biologically appropriate as a full sentence. Please, that is enough of a sentence for me um, because I, um, they're, they're asking for something, you know, yeah. um, versus I'm just going to grab it. Yeah. And, and I think that all of that starts to nurture the fact that, no, we're going to be decent human beings. We're going to yeah. ask for our needs to get met. And so when we're with other kids and we might even say, what if I say, no, how can, I mean, we can as adults start to model what to do when someone says, I don't want to. Right. I think also, um, well, I never loved Barney, but I really <laughs> don't think sharing is caring. Okay. We can share, but oftentimes us adults have insisted that the minute someone asks for our toy the th yeah. or the thing that we are playing with, we should give it up. And that is, I think, a really bad way to kind of raise kiddos um, because it, it says that we don't have autonomy of our bodies or our things. And so right. it's okay to say, 
not now, I will give it to you when I'm done, or no, this is my special birthday present. I don't want to share that with anybody, Yeah. but you can have this toy. And so we can help kids navigate that, but that's also navigating also a lot of body autonomy. You don't have to hug that weird aunt that you really don't like <laughs> that how they smell. Yeah. That's okay. You can give a fist bump or you can blow kisses. What can you do? Right. And helping to stand up for your kids when they're uncomfortable with that. Yeah. And so really starting to have this, this concept that with siblings or even we can practice without a sibling, how yeah. can we ask for our needs to get met well <laughs> and yeah. be able to say no thank you when we're not comfortable with something? And, and that's something that they can practice on siblings, they can practice on cousins, or they can practice on us. And I think that that's something that's really important. I do see a lot of, well, just a lot of kids, not even just only kids, where yeah. they're literally grabbing something out of their adult's hand, or they're feeling their adults up because they want that hug. And it's like, yeah. are you okay with that? And they go, oh, I just don't even notice anymore. It's like, but no, are you really okay with that? And they're like, no, yeah. I'm not. It's okay for you to say, please get your hands off my chest. I'm not comfortable with that. Yeah. You know, it's okay yeah. to say, get your hand out of my back pocket. I don't like you doing that. <laughs> you know, yeah. These are all okay things. And we get to teach our kids about body autonomy by us having that as well. Yeah, um, exactly. Well, kids do know how to ask. When they're one and two, they're still asking for a hug. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's an ask. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that doesn't even yeah. have to be any words. We're, work, we're working on ask. Yeah, we're working on asking for for hugs and stuff. Um, one of ours is he's very uh, he's he's very uh like handy. He like he has he has sensory he has sensory processing, so he's always like touching everything. So yeah. we always joke that he's probably had every disease imaginable because he just he literally touches everything, walls and floors and everything. So we've been working on different sensory things with him, but a lot of that is. Um, you, you probably, you probably should ask before you touch the strange man and line up the store. <laughs> We're working on that. Um, the touching, yeah. um, yeah, yeah. really wanting yeah. to touch right now, knowing that you can touch this, but you should ask if you want to touch that man's pants. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know they're really shiny. <laughs> I get it. It's a weird choice in pants, but we don't got to touch them. <laughs> yeah. We're working on that. He's, 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 I give him, I, I say that as if he touches literally everyone all the time. And that's just, he, he doesn't, he's just, he is just, he's just handsy. He, that's, we're working on this. Squeeze your hands. Yes. Squeeze your hands. Um, yeah. That's been, that's been an interesting navigation. You were talking about that, but he does, we, it is, it is fun to watch him kind of not fun. Sometimes, sometimes frustrating watching him navigate that with his siblings. Um, so that's again, another added benefit to having siblings is navigating all of that. Like, okay, this is appropriate, not appropriate. This is healthy and not healthy. This is what we're doing. This is not what we're doing. And watching him navigate that with his siblings has been, um, that's been very beneficial to him for sure. He's grown so much and we've been so proud of him lately. So that's been awesome. Um, so we're coming up at the tail end of our time here. Is there anything you want to, any words of encouragement, anything you want to say to the parents out there navigating these sibling relationships? Oh my goodness. Okay. First of all, it stinks, but it's also awesome. Um, and so yeah. really just acknowledging that there are going to be really, really hard days and that not all families are going to look awesome and amazing and cohesive. The goal is, is that one day your family will have its own particular flavor of awesome and cohesiveness. And that might not look like that perfect family in your head, but it's going to be yours and you get to yeah. help create that. And so I think that that's really important 
Um, and sometimes having a little bit of a picture that's realistic about a family that had the good days and the bad days in your head. And so sometimes we do go to TV families, but not the perfect ones. The ones who have the days where they have to sit down and talk it out. And those yeah. are going to be the families that we can start to model ourselves after a little bit. Um, not the perfect ones because yeah. obviously uh, that's too much stress. <laughs> don't exist. It's not real. It's not real. Sometimes your kid wants it's to touch the man's real. pants. <laughs> it's not okay. Yeah. And those and are how the, those, can those we do days where are like, ah, but we, but we have the conversations and we improve and you know what, tomorrow's a new day with new hope and new promises. Yeah. And we, we rise and we do it again. And momming exactly. isn't easy. That is true. Nobody's perfect at it. Um, we, we will fail so, so often, but the little successes that we have, I think sometimes we, we miss the little successes because we're looking for the big ones and, and every little success, every little win, every time he does this, every time, you know, they, they make a compromise. Oh, hopscotch and jeopardy. You know what? Let's play. How about if I ask you a trivia question while we're jumping and we'll play hopscotch jeopardy. And then you go amazing. You did it. You made a compromise. Um, those are the little wins that I think that we should be celebrating more. Um, and I, I think that that's been fantastic modeling after families that exactly right. Good days and bad days, better days and worse days. Life is messy. Life is complicated. And when you have a bunch of kids in a home, one, two, 17, it, it just makes it more complicated because there's more personalities to navigate and deal with. So absolutely beautifully said. And sometimes keeping a gratitude journal. This is what my kid did today. I had yeah. three whole minutes of quiet. I got to pee by myself. Yep. I, listen, if you can, any day you can pee by yourself is a good day in my book. That is a great day for yep. sure. And I, I love focusing on the positive. There is so much power and positive thinking. So if you just can think of three things that, that were little victories in every day, I think that every day you'll start to see more victories. And I, I, I love that. So beautifully said, that's fantastic advice. As always, it's been a pleasure. And um, all right, we'll see you guys next time. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share our podcast. And if you'd like more information on how you can get plugged in with our mission and our vision, as well as get support services, you can check us out on the web at fosterchange.com.